where she approached again and stood near enough for the artist to notice her at last. He looked up, startled, as the dog bounded past him, sending up a spray of sand. It was only then that the man glanced up and saw the child. He said nothing and went on working, and was surprised to notice that she hadn't moved and was still watching him when he turned his head again and mixed some water in his paints half an hour later. They said nothing to each other, but she continued to watch and finally sat down on the sand. It was warmer, keeping low in the wind. Like her, the artist was wearing a sweatshirt, and in his case, jeans and an old pair of deck shoes that were well-worn. He had a gently weathered face and a deep tan, and she noticed as he worked that he had nice hands. He was roughly the same age as her father, somewhere in his forties. And as he turned to see if she was still there, their eyes met, but neither smiled. He hadn't talked to a child in a long time. Do you like to draw? He couldn't imagine any other reason why she'd still be there, except if she were an aspiring artist. She would have been bored otherwise. In truth, she just liked the silent companionship of being close to someone, even a stranger. It seemed friendly somehow. Sometimes. She was cautious with him. He was, after all, a stranger, and she knew the rules about that. Her mother always reminded her not to talk to strangers. What do you like to draw? he asked, cleaning a brush and looking down at it as he talked. He had a handsome, chiseled face and a cleft chin. There was something quiet and powerful about him, with broad shoulders and long legs. And in spite of sitting on the artist's stool, you could see he was a tall man. I like to draw my dog. How do you draw the boats if they aren't there? He smiled this time as he turned toward her and their eyes met again. I imagine them. Would you like to try? He held out a small sketch pad and a pencil. It was obvious that she wasn't going anywhere. She hesitated and then stood up, walked toward him, and took the pad and pencil. Can I draw my dog? Her delicate face was serious as she inquired. She felt honored that he had offered her the pad. Sure, you can draw anything you like. They didn't exchange names, but just sat near each other for a time as each worked. She looked intent as she labored on the drawing. What's his name? the artist inquired as the lab sailed past them, chasing seagulls. Moose, she said, without raising her eyes from her drawing. He doesn't look much like a moose. But it's a good name, he said, correcting something on his own work, and momentarily scowling at his painting. It's a dessert. It's French, and it's chocolate. I guess that'll work, he said, looking satisfied again. He was almost through for the day. It was after four o'clock, and he'd been there since lunchtime. Do you speak French? he said, more for something to say than out of any real interest, and was surprised when she nodded. It had been years since he'd spoken to a child her age, and he wasn't sure what he should say to her. But she had been so tenacious in her silent presence, and he noticed as he glanced at her that aside from the red hair, she looked a little like his daughter. Vanessa had had long, straight, blonde hair at that age, but there was something similar about the demeanor and the posture. If he squinted, he could almost see her. My mom's French, she added, as she sat, observing her own work. She had encountered the same difficulty she always did when she drew moose. The back legs didn't come out right. Let's take a look, he said, holding a hand out for the sketch pad, aware of her consternation. I can never do the back part, she said, handing it to him. They were like master and student, the drawing creating an instant bond between them, and she seemed strangely comfortable with him. I'll show you. May I? 
he asked her permission before adding to her efforts, and she nodded. And with careful strokes of the pencil, he corrected the problem. It was actually a very creditable portrait of the dog, even before he improved it. You did a good job, he observed, as he handed the page back to her and put away his sketch pad and pencil. Thank you for fixing it. I never know how to do that part. You'll know next time, he said, and started putting his paints away. It was getting colder, but neither of them seemed to notice. Are you going home now? She looked disappointed, and it struck him as he looked into the cognac-colored eyes that she was lonely, and it touched him. Something about her haunted him. It's getting late, and the fog on the waves was getting thicker. Do you live here, or are you just visiting? Neither knew the other's name, but it didn't seem to matter. I'm here for the summer. There was no excitement in her voice, and she smiled seldom. He couldn't help wondering about her. She had crept into his afternoon, and now there was an odd, undefinable link between them. At the gated end? He assumed she had come from the north end of the beach, and she nodded. Do you live here? she asked, and he gestured with his head in the direction of one of the bungalows just behind them in answer. Are you an artist? I guess so. So are you, he smiled, glancing at the portrait of Moose she was holding tightly. Neither of them seemed to want to leave but they knew they had to. She had to get home before her mother did, or she'd get in trouble. She had escaped the babysitter who'd been talking for hours on the phone with her boyfriend. The child knew that the teenage babysitter never cared if she went wandering off. Most of the time, she didn't even notice until the child's mother came home and asked about her. My father used to draw, too. He noticed the used to, but wasn't sure if it meant that her father no longer drew or had left them. He suspected the latter. She was probably a child from a broken home, hungry for male attention. None of that was unfamiliar to him. Is he an artist? No, an engineer. And he invented some things. And then, with a sigh, she looked at him sadly. I guess I'd better go home now. And as though on cue, Moose reappeared and stood beside her. Maybe I'll see you again sometime. It was early July, and there was still a lot of life left in the summer. But he had never seen her before and suspected she didn't come down this way very often. It was a good distance for her. Thank you for letting me draw with you, she said politely, a smile dancing in her eyes this time, and the wistfulness he saw there touched him profoundly. I liked it, he said honestly, and then stuck a hand out to her, feeling somewhat awkward. My name is Matthew Bowles, by the way. She shook his hand solemnly, and he was impressed by her poise and good manners. She was a remarkable little soul, and he was glad to have met her. I'm Pip Mackenzie. That's an interesting name. Pip? Is that short for something? Yes, I hate it, she giggled, seeming more her own age again. Philippa. I was named after my grandfather. Isn't it awful? She screwed up her face in disdain for her own name, and it elicited a smile from him. She was irresistible, particularly with the curly red hair and the freckles, all of which delighted him. He wasn't even sure anymore if he liked children. He generally avoided them. But this one was different. There was something magical about her. Actually, I like it, Philippa. Maybe one day you'll like it. I don't think so. It's a stupid name. I like Pip better. I'll remember that when I see you next time, he said, smiling at her. They seemed to be lingering, reluctant to leave each other. I'll come back again when my mom goes to the city. Maybe Thursday. He had the distinct impression, given what she said, that she had either sneaked out or slipped away unnoticed. But at least she had the dog with her. Suddenly, for no reason he could think of, he felt responsible for her. 
He folded his stool then and picked up the worn, battered box he kept his paints in. He put the folded easel under one arm, and they stood looking at each other for a long moment. Thank you again, Mr. Bowles. Matt. Thank you for the visit. Goodbye, Pip, he said almost sadly. Bye, she said with a wave, and then danced away like a leaf on the wind, as she waved again and ran up the beach with Moose behind her. He stood watching her for a long time, wondering if he'd ever see her again, or if it mattered. She was only a child, after all. He put his head down then against the wind and walked up the dune to his small weather-beaten cottage. He never locked the door, and when he walked inside and set his things down in the kitchen, he felt an ache he hadn't felt in years and didn't welcome. That was the trouble with children, he told himself as he poured himself a glass of wine. They crept right into your soul, like a splinter under a fingernail, and then it hurt like hell when you removed them, but maybe it was worth it. There was something exceptional about her. And as he thought of the little girl on the beach, his eyes drifted to the portrait he had painted years before of a girl who looked remarkably like her. It was his daughter Vanessa when she was roughly the same age. And with that, he walked into his living room and sank heavily into an old battered leather chair and looked out at the fog rolling in over the ocean. As he stared at it, all he could see in his mind's eye was the little girl with bright red curly hair and freckles and the haunting cognac-colored eyes. Chapter 2 Ophélie Mackenzie took the last winding turn in the road and drove the station wagon slowly through the tiny town of Safe Harbor. The town consisted of two restaurants, a bookstore, a surf shop, a grocery store, and an art gallery. It had been an arduous afternoon in the city for her. She hated going to the group twice a week, but she had to admit that it helped her. She had been going to it since May and had another two months ahead of her. She had even agreed to attend meetings over the summer, which was why she had left Pip with their neighbor's daughter. Amy was sixteen, liked to babysit, or so she claimed, and needed the money to supplement her allowance. Ophélie needed the help, and Pip seemed to like her. It was a comfortable arrangement for all concerned, although Ophélie hated driving into town twice a week, even though it only took her half an hour, forty minutes at most. As commutes went... Aside from the ten-mile stretch of hairpin turns between the freeway and the beach, it was easy. And driving along the cliffs, on the winding road, looking out over the ocean, relaxed her. But this afternoon, she was tired. It was exhausting sometimes, listening to the others, and her own problems hadn't improved much since October. If anything, it seemed to be getting harder. But at least she had the support of the group. It was someone to talk to. And when she needed to, she could let her hair down with them and admit how rotten she was feeling. She didn't like burdening Pip with her troubles. It didn't seem fair to do that to a child of eleven. Ophélie drove through town and shortly afterward took a left turn onto the dead-end road that led to the gated portion of Safe Harbor. Most people missed it. She did it by reflex now, on automatic pilot. It had been a good decision and the right place to spend the summer. She needed the peace and quiet it offered, the solitude, the silence, the long, seemingly endless stretch of beach and white sand, which was sometimes almost wintry and at other times hot and sunny. She didn't mind the fog and chilly days. Sometimes they suited her mood better than the bright sun and blue skies that the other residents of the beach longed for. Some days she didn't leave the house at all. She stayed in bed or tucked herself into a corner of the living room 
pretending to read a book, and in fact just thinking, drifting back to another time and place when things were different. Before October, it had been nine months and seemed like a lifetime. Ophélie drove slowly through the gate as the man in the security booth waved, and she nodded. She let out a small sigh as she drove toward the house carefully, over the speed bumps. There were children on bicycles on the road, several dogs, and a few people walking. It was one of those communities where people knew each other, but stayed into themselves nonetheless. They had been there for a month, and she hadn't met anyone, and didn't want to. And as she drove into the driveway and turned off the car, she sat quietly for a moment. She was too tired to move, see Pip, or cook dinner. But she knew she had to. That was all part of it. The endless lethargy that seemed to make it impossible to do anything more than comb her hair or make a few phone calls. For the moment, at least, she felt as though her life was over. She felt a hundred years old although she was forty-two and looked thirty. Her hair was long and blonde and soft and curly, and her eyes were the same rusty brandy color as her daughter's, and she was as small and delicate as Pip was. When she was in school, she'd been a dancer. She'd tried to get Pip interested in ballet at an early age, but Pip had hated it. She had found it difficult and boring, hated the exercises, the bar, the other girls who were so intent on perfection. She didn't care about her turnouts, her leaps and jumps or plies. Ophélie had finally given up trying to convince her and let Pip do what she wanted. She took horseback riding lessons for a year instead, took a ceramic class in school, and the rest of the time she preferred drawing. Pip was solitary in her pursuits and was happy left to her own devices, to read or draw or dream or play with moose. In some ways, she was not unlike her mother, who had been solitary as a child, too. Ophélie was never sure if it was healthy to let Pip keep to herself as much as she did. But Pip seemed happy that way, and she was always able to entertain herself, even now when her mother paid so little attention to her. To the casual observer, at least, Pip didn't seem to mind it, although her mother often felt guilty about how little they seemed to interact anymore. She had mentioned it to the group often, but Ophélie felt unable to break the spell of her own lethargy. Nothing would ever be the same now. Ophélie put her car keys in her bag, got out of the car, and slammed the car door without locking it. There was no need to. And when she walked into the house, all she saw was Amy industriously loading the dishwasher and looking busy. She was always busy when Ophélie got home, which meant she had done nothing all afternoon before that.